Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Awesome. Thanks, babe. Isn't she awesome? Oh, yeah. I am a blessed man. I'm not even going to ask what you said, Lynn. Oh, the veggie pie, yeah. I, I told the first service how awesome the veggie pie that she made what for tea last night was. And so, still, spectacular work, honey. Well done. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Hey, um, Sophie, good to be here with you guys today. Um, I just want to give a shout out to the band. Thanks again, band, for just leading us in worship. Uh, Sean Bellamy on the drums this morning. Good to have you there, bro. Well done. <laughs> hey, um, if you're in business or you have a desire to be in business, um, and, and that could be in management or whatever you deem yourself to be in business, I just want you to uh, stand up now. I just want to pray for you this morning. just want to stand with these amazing people. If there is anyone out there, uh, that would be awesome. Oh, wow, the whole row stood. The whole section stood just about. That's good. I'll pray for you too. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, these guys are on the edge. Living uh, when you're in business, you are uh, you're in a position of leadership. You're looking for breakthrough, and you're looking for insight and revelation. And when we are connected to the Father in business, He has the ultimate strategies, the best plans and purposes to be outworked through us. So, I just want to pray for you guys this morning, Lord. We just get, and you guys stretch a hand out to our business people. Lord, we just give you thanks for business people. Lord, we give you thanks for their assignment and for their mantle to bring change and influence, Lord, to supply needs uh, and, and products, God, into our community, into our region, and into and internationally, God. Lord, I just pray right now for favour over every business person here today, God, that they would know that they're loved, that they would know that they're secure, that their business is in good hands today, God. And Lord, we just say yes to that next level of insight and revelation that you have for us as business people at Thrive God, at our Marcus place, in, in our place and positioning, Lord. And I pray also for peace over families of business people as well today. Amen. Let's give our business people a hand because they're amazing. Yeah, we just um, we have a real hope that we will um, have a thriving uh, business network here at Thrive, and um, we're connecting with the guys over in Bethel. There's a guy called Andy Mason. If you're in business, uh, follow him on Facebook. He's just um, daily posting exciting testimonies of breakthrough in business in the marketplace, and and so. It's all good. Hey, last week I was uh, away down at Gateway New Life, and uh, I had a really neat time down down there. And it was th- almost thirty years ago, nineteen eighty-eight. So eighteen years. Uh, 28 years ago, they planted our church out of their church to the center of Rangiora, believing that God was going to bring impact and, and an advancement of, of the kingdom. You know, they, they had in their heart that God was going to do something amazing here if they sent us out. And so I was able to go down there last week and just honor them for what they did 30 years ago. You know, our lives, hundreds, possibly thousands of lives, wouldn't have been impacted by the love of God if they had 
haven't planted us out and sent us out and said, you know, I'm going to let you guys go. You could stay here, but I'm going to let you go and see what happens when the kingdom is at work in a seed of faith. And so it was really cool. I got there and um, I um, just had fun. And we gave them a tree at the end. It was like an honor tree that they're going to go hopefully plant around the church or in the school grounds, just as a reminder that we just feel we're so blessed because of them. And so it was cool to honor them last week uh, down there. So yeah, just be a real encouragement to those guys if you see them around. So hey, this um, over this next month, we're starting a new series called Sons and Daughters, and um, it's going to come up real shortly. Um, and we're really excited about this series. We believe um, that this is not just a, like, oh, let's, what can we come up with moment? This is God, maybe, yeah, should we do Sons and Daughters, or should we do this or that? No, we actually really feel and sense that God is going to release a new sense of our value and worth and significance uh, to Him through this series. You know, we believe that God is calling us into, He's always calling us closer into relationship with Him, and He wants to unpack new revelations to us about our significance, worth, and value through this series. We've had prophetic words as well um, come into the life of our church and to our leaders about this series of Sons and Daughters. So our, our prayer and our hope and our anticipation is that you guys are going to catch something new in this series, that you're going to like let maybe some insecurities go and some, uh, some old mindsets and grasp your significance in the Father's eyes in this series. So we are excited about it. Um, so <laughs> thank you, Lisa. So way, way back in the Old Testament, if you've got your Bibles uh, with you today, that is awesome. From Numbers 13, we're going to dive in there, these um, the story is being unpacked of these spies that Moses has sent out. You know the story. You know where I'm going. They into the promised land, and these spies that had been sent out, they were leaders of their tribe, and they they knew that God was calling them to go beyond the desert. They were camped at the desert, but God was calling them to go further into His promises. So Moses is back there, and they're all waiting for this uh, amazing report about what they're about to go into. And so they're there expecting, and then, then they see these guys come home, and they've got these, this, this look of terror in their eyes, and they gave this report that, that they were absolutely freaking out about going to where God you know, was calling them to go. And so Moses is listening to this report, and then in Verse 30, Caleb, who was one of the two spies, Caleb and Joshua, who, who sensed that God was with them, who had a, an identity and a perspective that God was on their side and he was for them to, to take them into the promised land. So Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. They said, all the people we saw there were, were of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Yeah, they were freaking out, eh? And you've got to remember, though, that, like just weeks before, these guys had actually been slaves to the Egyptians. 
And in fact, for hundreds of years, their fathers, their grandfathers, their great-grandfathers, all they had known was this life of slavery and oppression. They were probably beaten daily. They were told, you must walk this way. You must pick up this. You must, if you step out of line, you're going to get whipped. So they're looking at this promised land and they are imagining history repeating itself. That these big people would once again become their masters and they would become oppressed. And for them, staying in the wilderness, being in the wilderness, was more victorious than becoming slaves of the Anak, which were the giants of the land. See, the mindset of a slave or of an orphan spirit will tell us that we're doing well in life if we're just surviving. But God doesn't, you know, He didn't, didn't create you just to survive, did He? He created us for something greater. See, Caleb and Joshua, they had a different kind of spirit about them, the Bible says. They had a different kind of connection with the Father going on in their lives. And because they were fed from this connection, they were able to outwork where God was calling them to and face the giants that were in front of them in their lives. You know, we're called to face giants, but there's no way that we're going to face up to a giant if we don't know who we are. If we don't know who is for us and standing behind us and calling us on towards. These mighty men, they were the leaders of tribes. They had forgotten who they were. They were sons and daughters of the King of Kings. They had been set free eternal, uh, externally from being slaves, but internally, in their hearts, they were still trapped by the perspectives of their, their history. And God wants to liberate these people, and He wanted to liberate these people by their act of obedience, following Him, trusting Him, but they couldn't. They were limited by who they were. And wouldn't it be sad if we, as a church and as a families, you know, with our children, we just, we settled for being safe in the wilderness because we were too afraid to step out in courage because we didn't know who was the, who, the one who wanted to put courage in us. So this morning, I just want to unpack kind of three mindsets of an orphan spirit and then three mindsets of a son uh, that a son or daughter has. And so first up, uh, three mindsets of an orphan spirit. That Number one is that God is master. The next one is I must live by the rules. The next one is I am unsafe and I feel insecure. If you're living in that kind of zone in your life daily, weekly, then there's a part of you, and maybe this is not all of you, but there's a part of you that has an orphan spirit perspective of the challenges that are ahead of you. Because God wants to give us a revelation of what a son or a daughter looks like and thinks like to him. And so we've got three uh, here, three mindsets of a son or a daughter, or that a son or a daughter has. Number one is that God is my loving father that I am actually in an unbroken relationship with Him. There's a life flow. It's not just words. It's not just uh, reading from a book. It's actually a transaction, a spirit-to-spirit connection that flows through our lives. Number four is I have security, strength, and peace 
because I have a revelation of my worth as a son or a daughter. And, and coming into these uh, kind of like aha moments in our lives, it, it means that we have to face up to some stuff. It means that maybe we have to face up to our past, that we have to face up actually and be real about what is restricting us in our lives. But do you know, on the other side of being real and vulnerable, perhaps, is freedom is liberty, is courage, is a new perspective and a new mindset, and it will flow from you to the generations and to those who are in the, are in the spheres of, of influence around our lives. And there's something about setting a culture uh, that, that a son or a daughter can do that an orphan can't. And if you want to set a greater culture in your life, then it's time to, to gain a different perspective. So um, I love the story that Jesus unpacks. Um, it's the parable of the lost son. Who's heard of that story? And, and, and uh, the, the prodigal um, story of the prodigal son. And, and, but Jesus in this story, he actually takes us into this world of two brothers and a dad. And, and as you know, the younger son, he takes this inheritance from his dad. He blows it all on wine, women, and general wild living. And, and his, his older brother had watched him go. He'd seen him take the inheritance from his father and, and thought, well, you know, I've just got to get, get on with life. And he got on with his, his, his scene. And, and, and then the story goes on, and we know the father's posture, that the, the son decides that he's had enough. He's, got, he's, he's depleted his resources emotionally and spiritually and physically, and he, and he runs home to the father. And then, then the Bible says, well, the, the, the father saw him while well, he was a long way off. You know, the father's posture towards him was leaning towards him constantly, and he ran towards him, he embraced him, and, and he restores him, he reunites with him, and he throws him this party. And the older brother, he's just like, man, what's going on with this wee prat? He doesn't deserve it. And in Luke 15, we're going to open up in verse 25, it says, meanwhile, the older, older son was in the field. He was a good boy. He was out in the field working. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. He's like, what? This is the middle of the day. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son, this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. See, this, this older brother, he'd never left home. And he, was fam he lived in the same house, perhaps, with his father, or at least on the property. He lived close to his father. But the true perspective of who his dad was to him was actually distorted. And I think it's, it's the same for us who, who maybe have been in church for years, that we can come to church and go through the motions and we watch people get reunited with Jesus and come back and, and get excited. And we just kind of, it's so easy just to kind of like be slightly detached and watch someone else's life happen while we're just kind of like going, where is my place in this family? So I want to just introduce you to those three truths that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us this morning about being a true son or daughter 
from the from this conversation that the father had with the older son. Number one is that you belong. What did he say? My son. He's like, my son, didn't you know I was I was always I was always here. He says, My son, do you not know that you were mine? Do you know that sons and daughters have a revelation of belonging? A revelation, it's kind of like a fancy idea. It's kind of like a big deal. It's like when your spirit opens and you're like, oh my gosh. You know, I felt like I was on the outside, but actually I'm called to be connected to you. I'm called to be a part of who you are. I'm, I'm not called to sit on the bench and watch life pass by or watch other lives, people, people's lives happen. I'm called to belong to what you're doing and what you're saying and who you are in your friendship. You belong. And today you might be, maybe you're new at Thrive or you're new to the region or you're, you've been here for years and coming into a crowded room always pushes your buttons because you feel like when you, it highlights the fact that when you come into a room, you feel alone. And I want to just affirm you today and just tell you that you're not alone this morning. You belong. You are a part of God's family. He has chosen you and called you to do life with Him and with others. And it's, we're not against you. We are for you. And everything about your life, your gifts, your talents, your call, are significant to Him and your past, even if it feels like it just was totally undone, Jesus wants to restore. Your future is not determined by your past. I want to introduce you to this guy called Edward Delberg. He was a really successful American writer, born in 1900. So um, he had a tough, tough start to life. Delberg was sent to the Jewish Orphan Asylum in Cleveland by his mum at the age of 12. His experiences deeply affected him because he lost his mother and um, and in the orphanage, the children were almost treated like criminals. They were assigned a number and their names were no longer used. And this happened for administrative purposes and they only answered to the number. They lost their name. He lost that God-given identity that his mum gave him. They did not receive any affection from the adults. And because of these conditions, you can imagine the children fought for survival and became brutal and violent with each other. It was just a horror uh, start for his life. And he did the teenage years really hard. And it was a time in our lives when we're looking for parents, we're looking for big people, we're looking for God to actually uh, tell us who we are. And, and, and put that instruction, that structure inside of us that actually our identity is birthed out of. And, and so Edward observed as a, as a quote, and he wrote this later in life. He said, at 19, I was a stranger to myself. At 40, I asked, who am I? At 50, I concluded, I would never know. Man, this guy, he achieved well, yet He never knew who he was. He never knew why he was here. He never knew that he was a part of something so much greater. And he lived in a personal wilderness that is probably the home of millions and millions and millions and millions of people around the world. You know, rejection 
is a hard taskmaster. It's the opposite of connection, but it seems easier to pick up. The spirit of rejection seeks to disqualify us for more than relationships. It will attempt to disqualify us from everything that we are called to do and become by telling us that we don't belong, that we aren't good enough to be here. And if that's how you are living, there's some good news for you. You're not meant to live under the spirit of rejection. And we can pick up rejection in life so easy through people's words, through perceived what we perceive someone's looking at us like, you know, when they actually never intended it. If you're bullied at school, you know, I had a story and I had and I had to get over rejection. And we can become slaves and orphans in life because of rejection and we can never get out of our you know of the off the bench we can never get off the bench because being an orphan being a reject has assigned uh, has disqualified us from the game but we're called to the game and the father has reached out to you through Jesus Christ and says I accept you I love you come and be a part of my family I want to connect with you See, the older son had a perspective that his dad was just master. He said, I've been slaving for you. When we only view God as a master, we feel disconnected from him. He has the power and we are just his peasants. But that's not how God set it up. And in Genesis, we go back to Genesis 1. I love it how he sets the scene with Adam and Eve. He says, hey, bro, son, you're created in my image. We're one family. You, you, you are in the circle of trust. <laughs> See, we, we look a bit like him. If we're created in his image, we, we look a bit like him. We act a bit like him. We sound a bit like him. We're powerful like him. That's what the Word of God says. And he goes on, and he goes on to say to, 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 to him, he says, hey, go be fruitful. Multiply. We're doing our bit. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule it. I'm still in the subduing and ruling bit. <laughs> See, to outwork this assignment that God has given to Adam. See, we've still got that. We've still got that commission through Christ Jesus. That's restored. We're no longer just dirty, rotten sinners. We're actually saved by grace. We've become kings and priests, you know, through Christ. Man, the filter of grace over our life has empowered us back to this original commission that is to go and actually take dominion of this world. But to do that, it's going to take some power. It's going to take some authority. And that's awesome because we're in His image. And He says, you know, you're created to create. You're created to bring creation into order. Everyone here, if you have a spirit of rejection over your life, there's still the potential for you to become a really powerful person if you deal with that spirit of rejection and don't let it to confine or conform your life. Anyone, whoever we belong to, defines the level of power we have flowing through our lives. And I want to tell you that you belong to Christ Jesus, even if you don't know it yet. And he wants to restore you 
to become a powerful person, loving self and accepting self. Let's give Aaron Lamborn a hand because he's going to jump up now and share his powerful testimony. Welcome to the stage. How do you How's it going, guys? As Glenn said, my name's Aaron. Um, I'm just going to share part of my journey with you guys. First thing I want to say is thank you to my boys for getting out of bed and actually getting down here for the second service. Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been a Christian for 12 years, and um, it's only been over the last year that I've been able to fully accept and understand God's love for me. I'm the eldest of four boys. Uh, my father was a hard man. He was a workaholic and found his worth and value through his work. It's a lie that he passed on to his kids, and I've pretty much spent my whole life trying to find my worth through my performance. As many of us know, this worth I was seeking was never going to happen through pleasing everyone, and soon I found myself in the grips of a full-on drug addiction. In 2004, I gave my heart to the Lord after I hit rock bottom. I was on fire, attending every church service and in meeting, preaching to everyone I come across that they needed to be saved. I was working real hard to earn God's love. I was reading the Bible, so focused on getting from one page to another that I didn't really absorb a lot of God's truth and the things he said about me. This lasted for about four years and eventually old patterns started to creep back into my life and before I knew it, the old Aaron was back. It wasn't like I stopped loving God because I didn't he was still in my life, but just behind the scenes. But I didn't know the truth to crush the lies that the enemy started telling me. Over those years, my life was like a roller coaster. It was up and down, up and down with where God was in my life. One minute I was on fire. The next I was laying, uh, lying to my wife, taking drugs behind her back. And when I look back on it, it was a really horrible, crazy time. Well, about a year ago, my nana died. She was a real amazing lady, and uh, she loved God with all her heart. Jesus' love just oozed out of her. Her death really shook me and made me realize how lukewarm and average my own walk was, you know, if you could even call it a walk. It was the wake-up call I needed to sort my relationship with God out once and for all. I started to pray with conviction again and reading my Bible with a new hunger to meet with God in a new way, asking him to show me my true identity. And instead of being half-hearted about it, I was seeking God's word through everything that I did. God started to reveal how much he really loves me and how much I mean to him. And that I don't need to earn his love as it is an unconditional gift from our loving Father. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And getting that revelation has been a turning point in my relationship with God, knowing that I am His Son and that my worth is in what God says about me, has enabled me to live in total freedom. With this new understanding, I've been able to break off lies that have been holding me hostage all of my life. I now know that God thinks I'm awesome. God's love for me is the same love He has for everyone. God sees us all exactly the same way. There aren't, any, there aren't different levels of love or acceptance we are all sons and daughters of the Most High, and He wants to see us operate like that, free from depression, insecurity, and fear. God wants to take all that junk, all that stuff that holds us back from living a total life of freedom so that we can operate in love, the same love He does. We've been created in God's likeness and called to represent Jesus to a lost world. 
We can only do this when we believe with all our hearts how much our Father really loves us. In closing, I believe that the enemy isn't really too concerned a lot about Christians, but he is concerned and afraid of Christians that know their true identity and walk in it. Our true identity is found in God's love letter to us all, the Bible. It is the truth, and the truth shall set us free. So cool. We love the Lambourns, and we're just like totally for you guys. And um, Bex, actually, if you don't know, Bex, Aaron's wife, uh, served as my PA in youth ministry uh, for about two or three years, uh, a few years back, and we just uh, so enjoyed doing life and the journey with them. So thanks, Aaron, for sharing today. You are an amazing, courageous young man who's also 40 like me. Um, and we're young. Come on. I'm a little bit more than 40. All right, all right. I'll say our brothers. All right. So um, number two, sons and daughters, they are valued. They have a revelation of their worth. And I love how Aaron just unpacked. And they, they're valued. Sons and daughters know they're valued because this connection with love and honor that God actually loves us, and, he, and love looks like honor. It looks like respect. It looks like, hey, I, I'm for you. It looks like I'm with you. It, it, it says, I want to I get off my seat and cheer you on. It says, I want to get off my seat and like, help you up. It says, I am, I'm not just a kind of a, a cloud out there. It's actually the love relationship that God has with us is this, this kind of like incredible heart-to-heart Connection and and so and we and through that connection we know that we are valued not because we obey the rules. <laughs> See the oldest son. What did he say? He said, "I have never disobeyed your orders." To his dad, this stated that my value has been connected to what I do. I stick to the rules, and that keeps me safe. And then the father replied, "My son." The father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. You know, can't you hear like, don't you know that? You're like, what? You never knew that everything I had was yours and I was like here for you the whole time. Because of this distortion that the son had, he, he was limited to the access of his father's house. And this whole thing about, man, I've obeyed your orders is like a religious spirit that limits our access into the Father's house. And this can come around us when we start comparing ourselves and trying to measure up and go, have I done enough to deserve grace? (laughs) You know, we can be, we're grace, you know, encountered Christians, but we can just be just as guilty. Like, you know, have I read my chapter a day? Have I prayed, uh, you know, for five minutes in tongues? Have I, you know, what have I done to keep this connection with my Father alive? And suddenly we're living in the land of the law again. When the Father says, I'm always with you, I want to lead you, I want to guide you into your best life, but I am with you. And don't start thinking that you've got to do stuff to require connection from me. See, because the Father just values connection so, so deeply. And when we're a child of the King, when we're a son or daughter of the King, we know our worth is not connected to our performance Our value now flows from this Father that we have to us. 
and we never have to perform for him to receive his attention and his blessings in our lives. This leads to number three. We have the approval of a loving father. You know, approval is so important, and especially self-approval, like when we start approving of ourselves, and we can only do that when we know someone above us approves of our lives. And approval brings uh, like security and unlocks the favor of the Father into our lives. I love uh, Paul. He, he wrote, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. You know, I've been faithful in 2 Timothy 4.7. See, Paul knew that he had been assigned a lane that he was designed to run in by the Father. He knew his call, he knew his space, he knew where he was going and what he was meant to do. Do you know when we start trying to be the best in our lane, we're still searching for approval? We're trying to compete for attention, trying to get the upper hand. You know, we're still searching for approval. We're still not secure about who we are and what we're called to do. It's me and Father. If we're giving our best, we've become aware of the Father's approval and we're free to give our best to Him. If we're trying to be the best, we're searching for approval. You know, my younger brother who's coming back from the UK after 12 years away. I love him to pieces. He used to drive me crazy growing up with him. I was two and a bit years older than him, and he was better academically. He was better socially and also physically. It was like the big three, (laughs) okay? So I was like, even like table tennis, pool, cricket, soccer, sprints, you name it, he would always just have the edge on me and it used to just like frustrate the, uh, like the heck out of me. I don't know if any other brothers are here, but um, man, I had tunnel vision towards him. He was like my enemy. I want to tell you today, You know, that brothers or sisters are not the enemy of our destiny. It's so easy to get consumed, and I know I was consumed with, uh, with, with Duncan and, and his, his talents, and I know that I, I wasted a lot of time and energy and focus about, you know, where I was going and who I was going to be called because I was looking at someone else. <laughs> Chris uh, Diath before me, uh, the, the previous senior pastor, it was like God set this up. For me to really, you know, he really wanted to make the point come home. Chris is about two and a half years younger than me. <laughs> Had the same ministry call on his life. Uh, you know, he was given the, the job of the senior pastor before me. And, and, you know, that pushed my buttons again. Suddenly I'm feeling like this older brother who's going to miss out on what God's called him to. And I'm focusing on that. And I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. I'm like, why are you putting me here, God? And it was so good that God did that because in that, I just learned to run in my lane. I learned to run my race. And I learned that I needed a better why to do what I do than to be better than someone else. My why had to be because I was called by God to do whatever I'm going to do. So I had to, you know, even though Chris never controlled my life or Duncan never controlled my life, I had to take my destiny out of his hands. 
You know, and if, you, if you're here and you've got brothers around you and you're like, you know, just like, man, I want to fight for survival and I want to be the best and rah, 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 rah. I want to, man, I want to tell you that you've got your own significant lane to run in and God is calling you to run well in that lane because sons know that their father is present and he is the rewarder of what is done in secret. He's the one who's with us and he sees us. In our lane, he sees what we're doing, and we're all so different, so unique, and called no matter you know our, our performance or whatever. You know, I want to say as well that that perspective that you have could be the rut that you think that you're stuck in. Maybe that's a rut of your thinking, or maybe you you're out there doing the same thing every day. And you feel like you're in a rut, but I want to tell you, your perspective is actually going to be the pathway to your greatest breakthrough that's going to bust you out of whatever situation it is. And God wants to bring a perspective shift. You know, there were 10 spies that had an inferior perspective of where God was calling them to. They said, we are like grasshoppers. We're like the little people. We're like, compared to them, we don't have a chance. We're going to die, you know? It's over, Rover, but you know, Caleb, he had a different spirit. He said, we go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. He saw this opportunity because he saw who he was as a son in this moment. He saw who was with him and he knew his call. He knew the lane he was meant to run on. You know, when we focus on the futility of the tasks, we become a victim of our circumstances. Man, those, those 10 spies, they were like, this is futile. This is like, oh, I, my life is it's going to be over if I go that way. I want to tell you if, you, if you just feel like, man, I don't know what's ahead next week or the week after, I just like, what am I going to be doing in a year? Like when I look at my future, I just want to run the opposite direction. I want to tell you that God has got hope for you today. He wants to give you a different perspective of your future. And what you're doing now is not wasted in God's kingdom. Nothing is wasted in his kingdom, even if it looks like the same stuff at a different day. Don't overlook God's power to bring breakthrough and promotion for you. You are a son and a daughter. It may feel like you're digging a hole to die in, but actually you're digging a well that is about to break open because God is with you. He is with you. A perspective change can shift everything. The, the spies, the 10, they never went in because they never changed their perspective. Caleb and Joshua, they went in later. They went in and took the promises that God had for them. While orphans are disconnected from their parents' vision for lives, sons and daughters know that they're, what they're doing is bringing favor and blessing to them and their family. And maybe, maybe today it's been like, man, I, my steps have been not like a straight line at all in my life. I'm like, whoa, oh, hey, you know, and life is an experiment. Like there's a part of, you know, there's a part of life where it's like, man, you, you, you get to know yourself as you have a go. And that's awesome. The Bible also says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. He wants to bring a shift around our lives so that we are efficient with what He's called us to do. 
He wants you to know as sons and daughters that He's got your every step. As you step out in faith, He's with you. And He's mighty to encourage you, to put courage in you, to break off uh, rejection and restore you into who He intended you to be when He created you, the Bible says, before the foundation of this earth. He knew you. How about we all stand if you'd like to? Hopefully you'd like to. <laughs> I just want to pray over you. And then, I, then I've got a prayer that we're going to put up on um, the screen. And, and um, it's a prayer that really releases a, an inferior perspective of ourselves over to God. And, and it may be that in your life you are winning in 90% of your areas, and that's awesome, but there's a part of your life that you realize that you just want to hand over to God today, that you've got an insecurity, an inferiority complex. You don't feel, maybe you don't feel like you're approved or you don't feel like you belong to the Father. Today is your day of breakthrough. Holy Spirit, we just, we thank you for this moment right now. We just thank you that you are a good God, man. We just thank you that you want to set our feet on the rock. And I just pray for, for, for us today, God, that revelation would just drop over this place, God, for those who have been feeling isolated and on the outside, God, for those who have felt not approved, not worthy, who are fighting for survival, are fighting for attention, Lord. We just thank you that you fought for them so that none of us have to, God. We have your attention, Father. Amen. All right, let's just say this prayer together, and you are welcome to engage with this. Father, today I recognize and embrace the truth of my relationship to you, that I am your fully loved and fully accepted child. I recognize that Jesus has paid the highest price with his life that I might be a member of your family. I renounce the orphan spirit and mindset with all of its lies, rejections, and unbelief. I ask that by your spirit, you will continue to expose and deal with any residual of an orphan thinking of my life. Thank you for the gift of new life and for receiving me into your family. I choose to believe the truth of who I am in relationship to you and who you are in relationship to me. I am a child of God. Amen. His word is good. His word is truth. And as Aaron said, the truth will set you free. And if you're here today and you feel like you're just not in this place of connection with the Father where you want to be, not feeling confident, then there is hope for you today. If you'd like to respond for any prayer uh, this morning and come into relationship with and, and know that you belong, then we just want to give an opportunity today at the end of the service. So while the band plays this last song, I would just ask you to, to take a courageous step. And perhaps you've never come forward before to receive ministry. Today is a day where you will receive a brand new identity.